tuck in your jersey, pull up your shooter sleeve, and get ready for Between Two Buckets. Welcome, Bucket Nation. This is Jonathan and Ezra coming to you live following the trade deadline of last week. Ezra, my man, how are you doing? I'm doing good. Um, again, this is live, but you're listening to it later. I just want to call <laughs> that out. It's a, That's right. a special gift. Yep. Uh, we got a lot to cover today, man. We had a big trade season, lots of trades. Um, our Knicks and Sixers actually pulled off a trade amongst themselves. Kind of a weak one, if you ask me. Austin Rivers left. Iggy Brazdakis left. And what we had coming in was two guys who we cut immediately uh, and a very, 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 very late second-round pick. So uh, I don't know how much there is to get into it. But I do want to tell you, Iggy Brazdakis, I like him. He was a he was a kid out of Michigan. He's a Lithuanian, I believe, but grew up in Canada. Good friends with R.J. Barrett. He could shoot from the outside. He's aggressive, has a lot of confidence. He went to the G League basically because there wasn't any room in front of him, so they got him some reps down there and was a great, you know, averaged almost 20 points. Good stat stuff for him. I'm kind of surprised the Knicks gave up on him this early. Maybe they just don't see him having a future down there. I'm not sure, but congrats, and I, I hope he does well uh, with your organization. Well, we'll see. We have a good team, so I'm not sure he's cracking any rotations. Maybe next year. Yeah, yeah, it could be. I'd love to see him in garbage time, but uh, I, I didn't watch last time there was garbage time, which was last night, unfortunately, for the Sixers. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, uh, yeah, um, it feels like oh. ages ago that the deadline happened, but still very relevant. I feel like nothing has changed that much yet for the Sixers other than the fact that they gave up uh, Tony Bradley while Embiid was hurt meant that like we had legitimately only Dwight Howard to play the center spot. Uh, that is still the case last night because Embiid didn't play. But, you know, center is like the one position now that that could really help the Sixers, especially a stretch five if we could get like uh, – I really want a Gorgie Dang. Uh, it was kind of interesting he went to San Antonio when there were contenders who definitely could have used him. But um, shit, what's the name of the uh, – the guy that he traded, why am I blanking? That played for the Celtics, white dude who can shoot. Oh, I know. Eliolinic. Eliolinic. Yeah. Obviously, he's so important. I can't think of his name, but he would be a nice buyout candidate. But you know, the the big moves I think were Aaron Gordon finally went. The biggest surprise with that was that Vucevic went to Chicago. That yeah. sort of came out of nowhere. But it was just a surprise. We knew Orlando was looking to dump their talent for some reason because they were in danger of getting good. But going to Chicago, I think, was the surprise. But good move on Chicago's part. Between him and Zach and some of the other young guys they've got, they've they've got good backcourt, good frontcourt. I mean, it's just they need good coaching and they need to come together. And and they seem like a fractured organization. But anyway, they're kind of a mid-tier, you know, on-the-bubble kind of team. But, um, but yeah, that was a good move for sure. Yeah, I mean, that team could be just with Levine and, and Vucevic could be – potentially super awesome offensively i have no idea what kind of ceiling they could ever have unless like patrick williams people talk about a lot he's a rookie and you know he could be a right. two-way wing like who knows it's his first year but i also feel like it doesn't bode well. i feel like it doesn't bode well for laurie marketing 
Like Vukovic is going to come in and, and snag a lot of his minutes. Wendell Carter is still there. They got some no, big. He got traded. He was you know? part of the trade. Wendell. Mark, Lori Markin. Oh, Wendell. Oh, oh that's right. That's right. Yeah, Markin's, I don't know, interesting. Uh, by all accounts, he can shoot, and that's about it. Um, and I know that, you know, I was interested in potentially getting him on the Sixers because we could yeah. use the stretch. Uh, yeah. uh, but, you know, whatever. Um, I'll tell you. I'll tell you that the move I liked was Boston getting Evan Fournier. And it seems like Fournier is going to give them a lot of what Gordon Hayward used to give them. And I know that team is struggling. Like they have two stars playing the same position. Kemba's not Kemba. Like they're, they're struggling. And Fournier might be just, you know, he, he's going to add to that team, right? He's going to give them passing, playmaking, scoring, He's going to facilitate. I think he's going to make up for some of the playmaking that Kendall's not giving him, or that Kemba's not giving him, excuse me. I think it was a very underrated move, but a very good move. Yeah, I always thought of Fournier as a scorer more than a facilitator, but I guess I should look it up. And, you know, I I think because he can, it seems like he can get to the basket fairly well. Um, You know, that just creates at least easy dishing opportunities if help comes, but. Honestly, something's just so fucked up with Boston, and I, I'm not watching every game. I couldn't tell you what it is, but um, they're just – it's I think we're, I think can, how garbage they are. I can, say, I can say this pretty confidently. You and I are both very happy that Boston's not doing well. Oh, yeah. We want to continue oh, yeah. poorly. So, you know, let's uh, – you know, we don't want to you – know, Root for an injury, but yeah, you know. that's enough talking about those clowns. Yeah. Anyway. Let's, let's be honest. We should get yeah. into the real meat of this shit. Let's do it. I do just want to bring up a couple more things, right? The buyout market, you know, Andre Drummond of the Lakers, Lamarcus Aldridge to the Nets. I think that's a, you know, I'm kind of indifferent to some of these, like you know, but I, but but it's hard to be indifferent with what the Nets did here because anytime you can add a savvy veteran who's got some left in the tank, who you're maybe given 12 to 15 minutes of, of, of quality time to, to go all out in pursuit of that championship. I mean, they're just adding stud after stud after stud. They can deal with injuries. They've got bigs. I mean, a lot of playoff wars come down to the, you know, the battles in the middle. And you got Aldridge. You got DeAndre. You got the kid Claxton. You got, you know, Blake. You got KD who can mix it up. Like, they're building a really solid front court. And I think playoff battles – if you think of the 90s Knicks teams and the Pacer teams they went up against, like, and you think about the Spurs and how big they used to be, and, you know, like, I, I, it's so important, you know, to, to be able to win the rebounding and defense, you know, parts of the game. And the Nets are really just, just accumulating assets like that. Veteran savvy, yeah. well, experienced assets. Well, and just mentioned the defensive side, you know, none of those moves to me are defensive, I think. A lot of them are name value more so. I think Aldridge in that well, like 12, 15 minutes. I mean, he might get more run actually, but a lot of people, <laughs> a lot of people who write about the Nets, I heard were just happy that it means like much less DeAndre Jordan because he hasn't been helpful at all. But they're just like so offense. And like in terms of Sixers, you know, there's no well, there's no one in the league who's gonna defend and beat. It's more a matter of like, all right, do you double how the Sixers deal with it? Yeah. But offensively, uh, that could be tough if if he's depend uh, if uh, Embiid has to guard Aldridge. And again, I don't know how many minutes he gets. Like, you know, that's that's been the one thing that's sort of you know how is how would Embiid fare if he's not able to sort of hang a little bit more around the rim? But well, that's the thing. I mean, look, if Embiid 
if I were the Nets, I would make sure whoever Embiid was guarding, whether it's Blake Griffin, who can still do a number of things down low. He's not the same athlete, but he still has some moves down low. LaMarcus, same thing, pretty much as big as he is, right? He's 6'11", 260, equally big guy, you know? Like, I think you just, you feed the post player against Embiid and you try to draw fouls. You try to get him out of the game. And, and I don't you think know. any of them are trying to go against Embiid. I think it's more like, especially Aldridge, just spotting up. You know, it's just going to draw Embiid away. So, um, I mean, that's the inter- – we'll talk about this more at a later date, but, like, the thought experiment, and hopefully we actually get it, of a Nets Sixer series is is really interesting. It's basically best offense guess, uh, against best defense, more or less. So, um It'll be interesting, but but I, I let's get into it then. Yeah, let's yeah. talk about let's talk about the Sixers, right? You got uh, Joel Embiid came back this week. He missed he missed some time. Uh, team had a pretty good record. Uh, I saw Tobias was was really kind of balling out. Simmons had some good stats, um, but you know you guys didn't get Lowry. That was kind of a big deal. You got George Hill instead. Uh, how do you how do you feel going forward? Yeah, that whole Lowry thing was uh, <laughs> let's just call it interesting for lack of more words to come, but. I love the idea of getting Lowry. Obviously, him being 35, well, just turned 35 on deadline day. It's like, how much are you willing to give up when you feel like you have a team that could win a championship with him, but you know that he's 35 and you don't know what kind of contract he's asking for? So uh, the the thoughts and the discussion around it was, uh, you know, would we give up Maxi and a first and this and that? And because of uh, money, uh, salary matching, you know, you would need to give up um, Danny Green almost definitely too. So it's like, yes, there's more value uh, having Lowry than there is Danny Green. But like Danny Green is fucking producing for us and we and we need a guy like him. It's just a matter of, okay, well, you're getting more potentially offensively from Lowry. And, you know, obviously he's a good defender too. But by all accounts, Toronto wanted like what the Bucks gave up for, for Drew Holiday. And the reason the Bucks gave up so much for Drew Holiday or the reason New Orleans got so much is because they really wanted to do everything they could so that Giannis – would sign their max extension. And he did, so it worked out for them. But they gave up like three – the Bucks gave up like three firsts. <clears throat> they gave up a shitload. And it was yeah. clearly like the value of that was not just Drew. It was Drew plus encouraging um, Giannis to sign. So I don't know what – Middleton wasn't going to get it done by himself. He's a nice B level, you know, maybe a third option. Like Middleton wasn't going to be enough with Giannis – Brooke Lopez is getting old. I think they needed a move. And Drew was like, Drew is such a terrific point guard. He can run your offense. He can score. He can defend. He is a high-quality guy that doesn't get the credit he deserves, right? So now now he's with Milwaukee. You know, I don't, you know, I don't really know, you know, if Giannis is going to stay there in the long term. The thing with these five-year contracts is, like, they're sexy and the players love them and they're going to re-sign them. But ultimately, in, like, three years – if your team's not competitive, if they become a second round team and they get knocked out early one year, he's going to ask out, you know, and that's true of a lot of guys. Right. So, yeah, you know, he knows the money and the security. 
And then, you know, and then you got to field a competitive team. So, but given that they're Milwaukee, they don't always have the ability to recruit top tier free agents, even to play with Giannis. And he's a guy that like you build around him. You can't necessarily compliment him. You know what I mean? Well, look, I get the move and I love Drew. I have his, I have, I think I bought his Jersey like a year or two before he got traded to kick off the process. I love Drew, but it was just weird that Masai, Toronto's GM, supposedly made that the asking price when you know everyone knows the circumstances for why it caught, why the Bucks are willing to give up so much, and also Drew is more or less in his prime, and we're talking about a dude who's thirty five. So after right. the fact, I was shocked that Lowry didn't get traded at all, and reports were really close to the deadline at three p.m. Eastern for our Eastern listeners, was it seemed like it was just a, it was a matter of like the Sixers basically hashing out what the final price was. And then it just didn't happen. And so that was pretty surprising. But earlier in the day, they traded for George Hill. And um, I knew that they still had the pieces to land Lowry even after that trade. But I loved getting George Hill, and it, I think it also made it less imperative to get someone like Lowry because Hill can be a table setter. He's a really, really good shooter off the catch, especially. He might not shoot as frequently as some guys. Just like Seth Curry, you know, us Sixers fans wish he would shoot more because he shoots so damn well. But he's a guy that is going to take a lot of pressure off the bench and could potentially close games, which would really help too. So uh, I feel like George Hill is the kind of guy that will also compliment Ben Simmons a lot in that you want somebody to bring the ball up the court. Cool. Like to run your half court. Cool. You need a, he's like a primary ball handler who doesn't need the ball in his hands a lot. Cool. And can shoot. Like there's, there's a very specific prototype that he fits and I think I think it's a really good fit. Now, whether he starts or comes off the bench, you know, I, you know, I can't tell you. That's it sort of depends on need and injuries and things like that. But you know, I think it was it was a shrewd move. You know. And speaking of playing off of like Simmons, he just had an amazing year with uh, with Milwaukee playing off Giannis. So, you know, I, I think it's a great find. Um, at first, I thought it was just a couple second round picks, and that was the trade where we gave up. Uh, and, and, and yeah, and thinking it through, Masai Ujiri, like who knows what he really asked for? But I think when the Sixers, I think he probably was thinking long and hard about trading Lowry to the Sixers. But when they got Hill, and he knew the trade was off the table, he probably pulled it back and be like, "I want three first round picks from my guy." I could also just be like a PR spin, you know, more than like what do you? I don't really think he was asking for three firsts. I think he was probably asking for like young talent a good first or two lousy first, something like that. You well, know? what I'd heard was, yeah, he wanted ma- both Maxi and Thibault and like uh, at least two first round picks. And it's like, that's you know, a we're lot. talking about, we're talking about like Bradley Beal. Okay. Like that's a, yeah, I'd be willing to a 35 year old who apparently wants like 25 million next year. And two he, years. like yeah. if he maintained that, the level of play, Lowry probably is worth 25, but like, contracts bake in risk as well. So, you know, it just, every time you get, it's like the rage on Rondo effect. It's like every time you get traded, your minutes go down a little bit, your efficiency comes up a little bit, your leadership creeps up a little bit, but again, your minutes come down and it's the leadership. It's the way you set players up. It's the wisdom you impart to other players, like your role evolves. So it's not going to be about production as much as it's about like 
guidance and wisdom and experience and all that stuff. And, you know, Lowry seems to be a top, top notch guy, but again, most of the players on the team have come after him. So he's embedded, he's entrenched. You go someplace new, you gotta, you gotta figure out that culture, you know, he's yeah. not the savior. So. Yeah. I mean, I think he would have been great for all those intangible reasons as well. But um, at the end of the day, I mean, a lot of it is speculative, but if he really wanted to be in Philly or just really wanted to go to a contender, I think he'd be on a contender right now. But I think he probably feels some sense of, uh, you know, I don't know that loyalty is the the right word or the perfect word, but certainly that is a, a reasonable word along with others. But yeah. like, you know, I think part of him, you know, he'd, he'd love to, to contend, but I think he also just enjoys the organization and I guess didn't feel yeah. too strongly um, enough to be like, yeah, like get whatever you can get, but I'd prefer, you know, to go. So yeah, but it's I just what want- it is. looking back on it again, with the caveat of what we found out the price seemingly was, I'm totally fine having not traded for Lowry and the fact that George, the the uh, the under um, appreciated part of this is George Hill also is under contract next season, so it it gives the Sixers uh, uh, the archetype that they need. They could still use more guys who can create their own shot and set up others um, and shoot. Everyone can use more shooters, but the fact that we have them signed for next year um, gives us flexibility. And if we do somehow have a bigger piece that we could uh, go after, whether it's in the offseason or next trade deadline, he's a $10, $10 million deal, which, by the way, is a great value for him. But also, you can use those contracts to acquire guys um, who are stars getting paid like stars. So it gives us some flexibility in the future, too. But, you know, just in terms of. Yeah, I, I, I want to just say this. I mean, you know, I brought up Rondo a second ago. I'm so surprised. I'm, I've been a huge Rondo fan pretty much since since I saw him, like, being the best player on the Celtics in 08, right? When I saw him just balling out. That's and, impressive. And, he was great, and, but that, uh, best you know, player on the Celtics. Uh, Paul Pierce. Was I mean, if you, you know, I don't know if you were uh, born at that time, but, um, you know, if, yeah. you, if you really watch those games, he orchestrated the offense. He set everybody up. He called the defense out. He called the games. He quarterbacked the shit out of those teams. Oh, Everybody cares. He helped the studs look good. But he honestly was like the engine that set that whole thing going, right? There's a reason they called him playoff Rondo. <laughs> and I mean, and look, the Lakers had him success. Went to Atlanta to sign a deal. Not sure why the Lakers let him go. They like Dennis Schroeder better. Okay, kid's got some speed. He can, he can ball a little bit. He's not Rondo. He doesn't off. I mean, you want youth, the injection of youth. Yeah, but he didn't even sign the extension. I think that was a mistake by the Lakers. And then now the Clippers have got him at a cost of what? I, like to me, obviously, Lou Will, great sixth man, right? Probably is, is losing half a step, losing a step at this point. He, but if you're going to put him and and Pat Beverly in the backcourt with Kawhi and George, and I know everyone does this with the Clippers team. Look at these defensive lineups that they can put out there. But Rondo is such a disruptor when healthy. Remember those years in Chicago when you like, won them entire series, like he won the first round battle that they had. I think it was against the Celtics, maybe against the Washington. But that dude just shows up come playoff time. He knows the other team's plays better than they do. 
I mean, that dude is just high caliber and doesn't get his due, you know? And he would look great in either team. I've always wanted him on the Knicks, except I think we'd be wasting him because what he actually offers in value is not something we need. So his whole career is probably going to come and go without him ever donning the orange and blue. But, you know, but I would love to have a guy like him on our team at some point. Well, he is known to sign, uh, at least relative to his market value, sizable, shorter-term deals, and then just go to contenders, just like he did. So he could totally sign with the Knicks, maybe, and he'll you'll pay him maybe $20 million over two years, and then he'll skate and go to a team that's actually contending. Yeah, well, he's 35, and we're not in the business of signing old people anymore. So, Well, you know, you traded for Rose. I mean, I know he's younger, but. He's, he's still got fresh legs. I hate all these bullshit articles coming out. Well, since the Knicks didn't make any trades, the whole team is going to be judged by how well Derrick Rose does. That's not true. That's clickbait, you know? Yeah. What will um, be judged on how well the team does. And they're contributors, and there's a coaching staff, and it's a first half season together, and they're doing great compared to all the shit they've been putting out years past. It is not contingent on the Derrick Rose pre deadline trade okay mark berman and others you know that's that's just clickbait dude well all right well i think this is a good this is a good point to segue the last thing i'll say sixers wise though is until i'm just interested to see how things look and what the rotations might look like um when george hill gets back and obviously Embiid gets his feet under him um i'm not uh, expecting something to happen on the buyout market but it could but um, you know, I think we definitely, the, the bench and the rotation has changed for the much better, um, you know, what that means in terms of our ability to compete, um, with the nets, you know, we'll see, and we'll talk about that on a later pod for sure. But, um, you know, there was a letdown at first, but I'm, but I'm happy that we got, uh, we got a really quality player, uh, underrated player as well in Georgia. Yeah. Yeah. Bravo. All right, should we uh, should we go to our first uh, sponsor? Yeah, kick it off, man. You got it, man. So between two buckets this week is brought to you by none other than Kevin Durant. Whoa. Kevin Durant, the poster boy for what not to do when you're rehabbing your hamstring or public image. Damn, did he like getting your DMs to hit us up about sponsorship? That's crazy. Kevin Durant, when you need a bucket and a beef. Nice. Kevin Durant, the role model for apologists who are sorry they got caught. Oh, I didn't mean it. There we go. I'm sorry. Sorry, not sorry. All right, man. So you were you were talking. You you brought up the Knicks. I could feel the passion coming out, and I know we had talked about a couple of different deals, but really we were talking more big picture land uh, franchise guy um, in our preview pod. So clearly, you know. I didn't think you expected to make any big moves. Um, was did this go how you expected? Were you hoping for something different? What are your What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, I, you know, the fan, the casual fan, or even the super casual fan, has no idea when front offices are likely to move their superstars. So, like, you know, I can pontificate, you know, about Carl Anthony and you know and and guys of that ilk, but, you know, I, I doubt I'll ever, you know, break something like that. Um, do I, do I think the current regime, you know, they made their phone calls. I'm certain of it, right. They made their calls and high asking prices. And I don't think, you know, you disrupt like team chemistry is strong. They got a bunch of draft picks. They probably want to make moves in the off season. 
You know, Leon Rose is setting up his chess pieces, you know? And so, you know, would I have liked a little something here or there? Would I have liked a little bit more of a shooter? You know, but I think we talked about this, right? I don't know if we talked about it after one of the shows or not, but when you think about our, like to me, outside shooting, playmaking, you look at Alec Burks and you look at, uh, at um, oh, Reggie, Reggie Bullock, like they're pretty similar players, right? They both are those two, two slash threes. Bullock has a little better defense. Burks is a little better scorer. They're a bit interchangeable. They can each average 15 to 20 points a game if they were featured in the offense, right? But they're not. They're averaging like 9 and 13, I think. But that's because, you know, RJ is averaging 17 and, 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 you know, and, and Julius is averaging, what, 23, 24. So, you know, their role is what it is, right? And they're, they're playing minutes and they're valuable minutes. So, like, you know, the upgrade a point guard would be awesome, but I didn't really see a superstar or even a star point guard available like I don't know that George Hill while a quality player and could earn minutes and would deserve minutes I don't know that he changes the 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 future of the team right um and then we just have our big man situation so you know we were under the impression Mitch Robinson was going to come back he came back and he came back he, he you know he hurt his uh he hurt his hand and then after missing a few weeks he came back four games later hurt his foot uh and he's out for the rest of the season so had we known, could we have done, like, look to make a move for a big, you know, I, you know, yes, the answer is yes, right? LaMarcus Aldridge could have been an option. Boogie Cousins could have been an option. I don't think Boogie Cousins really fits what we're looking to do. I think, I think the team likes defensive anchors. They signed this kid, Norval Pell, who was a sixer for a minute. I'd love to hear your thoughts on him, but. Yeah, you better say the name right once I tell you. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's cool. Um, and, uh, <laughs> you're a cool guy. Uh, and, uh. <laughs> We're just, you know, and this dude, I love this dude. I watched him in his first game in, comes in at garbage time. We're blowing out Detroit, beat him by 40-something points. He's in, he checks in the game, you know, he goes up to dunk, first possession, first time the ball touches his hand, dislocates his finger, looks at his hand all jacked up, <laughs> grins at it, he grins, he like laughs at it. The trainers come out, they fuss with it, they put it back into place. Guy goes back down court, blocks two shots in a row, immediate Nick legend, uh, like right six legend. And he's been, he was there for like, <laughs> maybe I, I think he was there the whole season. Actually, they, they just didn't bring him back. I don't know if it was one or two years. He just didn't play his first, but yeah. uh, well, his best attribute, I think is his hair and a smile. But yeah, uh, <laughs> he's one of those dudes that like, he'll block seemingly everything in sight, but like foul everything in sight too. <laughs> and you just hope that, you know, he calms down and learns to be a little yeah. less trigger happy. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, he, well, that, he, needs, he brings the energy. You know, that's that's kind of what I feel like when I watch Mitch's progression over the over the years. Right? He's in his third year. First year, that dude was insane. Dude was like blocking everything under the rim, going out to the three-point line, blocking more three-point attempts than I've ever seen by anybody ever, right? Dude was just insane. But he also fouled everybody, so he fouled out a bunch. Second year got a lot better, right? Like retracted back from the three-point line, still blocked a ton of shots, very high percentage, um, still fouled a lot, but less got better. This year, like I think 2.6 fouls a game, which is like very good for him. Um, And is still a high shot blocker, but he's more affecting the game defensively than he is just a shot blocker. So what I see is a guy who's blocking fewer, but playing smarter. And if that's something that maybe it's, you know, one of the Knicks assistant coaches, maybe that's Kenny Payne. Maybe that's Mike Woodson who just left to Indiana. 
Um, you know, maybe, you know, maybe that's, maybe that's Tibbs who's, who's getting in his ear about that. Like what I can tell you is I see this guy learning how to play defense smarter. And I think if that's a trait that they're teaching our big men, then great. Like maybe this kid, you know, maybe just becomes a serviceable backup. Maybe, you know, who knows, but you know, it certainly was, it was a good debut, you know? Yeah. I mean, the only seemingly playable bigs are bigs who can shoot or bigs who, uh, at least offensively, like yeah. can't be a big, or actually, if you can shoot, you can be a big who's like not great at defense, but like obviously your role is limited. Or you're a big that definitely protects the rim, but you're a good screener and roller. So you have like vertical spacing, as they call it. Like you call, you bring attention if you're rolling for a potential lob, even if you can't shoot. If you can't do one of those two things, you're kind of useless at this point. I don't know if you know this. Yeah, I don't know if you know this. Mitch Robinson last year shot 74% from the field doing exactly what you're talking about. Like basically rolling and putbacks. It was all dunks. And he, he holds the single season record for field goal percentage in a season beating Wilt Chamberlain, who had like 72 or 73%. So he surpassed, a, you know, broke a 50-year record, let's call it, you know, doing exactly the offense you're talking about. And there's there's types. There's, you know, Clint Capella, obviously. There's, you know, uh, Rudy Gobert, probably the highest paid of the lot that, that plays a game like this, you know. And uh, But Mitch, it's interesting with Mitch because, like, you know, he was a second-round pick, so his contract's a little bit different. What happens is at the end of year three um, – they can they can they can they can execute his contract for 1.8 million next year, and then the year after that he's an unrestricted free agent, right? So it's great for managing the cap, but terrible if you want to resign him long term. Yep. Or, or they could um. There's something that they can do with the contract where he becomes a restricted free agent at the end of this year, and that way he could, he could uh, sign a different contract with another team, and then the Knicks can match. Now, assuming no one's going to be foolish enough to offer him a max. Maybe they offer him four year forty or four year sixty or something like that. They can re-sign him, and his value is probably as low as it's going to be because the kid is a stud. But he was injured a bunch. He's only going to end up playing between the two injuries, assuming he doesn't come back this year. He's only going to play about thirty, thirty-one games, um, which is not a ton. And then he was also injured a bunch in his first year. He played most of them last year, but um, you know, I also get the sense like the fact that we heard his name in some rumors, but most of the rumors were either generated by opposing teams trying to get Mitch included or bigger rumors about like a cat or things like that. So part of me thinks Nick's management might not totally love this guy. And you don't know personality wise or team chemistry wise, like, look, he's a kid, you know, out of Louisiana, you know, was supposed to go to college, Western Kentucky decided to go train for a year. So went to this, this Academy and just work on skills. Hadn't played a game all year, which dropped him out of like, I think he was like ESPN's number 11 high school rated player. Um, and so he dropped, he fell all the way to the second round and a lot of teams are regretting not signing him. Right. I mean, the dude's like, he's a legit defensive anchor and he's young, but you know, I mean, personally, I think maybe the restricted free agent route might be the way to go. It's tough though. Right. Cause I mean, you know, alternatively you can, you can, you know, even if you have to match a 60 or $70 million contract, you can still trade him. It's still a much better contract than what they gave Rudy Gobert. You know, it's like, it's still a high value. And then you include him plus other assets. Now you're in the mix for a superstar, you know? So it'll be interesting to see what they do. Yeah. I'm, I mean, you're, it's interesting hearing you talk about how the Knicks value him or a player like him. 
the league in general, I'm interested how just the league in general might value a guy like him because it seems like center is kind of like the great centers is one thing, but like the the average center is like seemingly the most like replaceable skill set. You know, the easiest to find, like a serviceable dude. Not, and and he's, you know, I think he's better than the average big. But I think in terms of just like where teams want to put their money, invest their their salary cap, um, you know, I, I don't know how valuable uh, a lot of these guys are. Like in some ways, uh, like with the Vucevic trade, I wouldn't call Wendell Carter the headliner of that i mean he was the i guess the biggest name that went they probably well, were carter, well carter carter's still on his rookie deal if you look at clint capella yeah. right like a very good analog right but i even think clint capella had more years in the league when he signed but he signed with houston for five years 90 million dollars so that's like 18 million average right and you get a younger guy in mitch with better statistics better per 36 numbers at a, at a similar point in his career you giving him a hundred million? You giving him twenty, twenty four, twenty five million a year? Seems pretty high. Yeah, but also he's changed, he's changed eight established, six though. times. Huh? Capella was more established, and I mean, it had almost everything to do with with Harden, obviously, and the team was like winning, so it was a more justifiable to want to get. Um, well, and get Capella him. also labors. Right? He's like a he's like a big big man. So like he's not like Mitch is Mitch is like nimble. He's like a gazelle. You can have Mitch in your fast-paced offense running up and down court. Like, he is a quick guy, you know? Uh, well, I, well, I don't think Capello is a, is a laborer. I mean, they definitely played plenty fast with him, and he opened up, you know, he skied for a lot of lobs in the same way. But, uh, I mean, more importantly, I think, yeah, I don't think it's a coincidence that you heard his name a lot. Like, obviously, you'll hear uh, in, like, trade rumors – like you might hear a guy who's like clearly like coveted by a lot of teams. You might hear his name a fair amount um, as being discussed, but it's really it's like calls into the team who who has that guy under contract who are interested in him. But this felt more like you know the stuff you hear is more like well the cat rumors like you talked about, even you know some of these other guys that we we've heard. I think clearly, you know, they would invest in in getting someone better. But I think at this point, the Knicks are just in like getting stars mode. So, um, you know, well, that's the I, mean, I mean, look, I, I pretty much think the team is constructed now with Julius and RJ. You know, they're going to be probably capping out at a four or five seat, right? Capping out with that really strong defense to push them to the next level. It's not about more adding more you know, team players, chemistry players, role players, you need stars. You need stars to beat other stars. And so they're going to have to do some packaging and do some recruiting. They can sign, they have a, they have the biggest um, uh, salary cap space coming up this off season. They got a treasure trove of draft picks. So, I mean, there's, there's a lot that they can do. They just, they need the players one to come do it. I don't see a lot of great free agents over the next couple of years, not in their prime, not young things like who are interested, but, I do think it has to shake out through through trades, but you know, no one's better than William West and Worldwide West at you know shaking stuff up behind the scenes and seeing what shakes out. So, you know, we just need to be a little patient and and keep building good team chemistry and keep collecting those wins because you got to have a credible team to do that. You know, 
I, I still think uh, of all the of all the positions, you know, when I look at Tibbs' track record, I think dynamic point guard is still the way to go. And mind you, we have two first rounders and a, and a top second rounder this year alone at probably around 2022 20, and 31. Not enough to move up to top five, but, you know, it'll be interesting to see what they do. Like one of those, one of those picks and another player, you know, can, uh, you know, can get you some assets. So let's, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens, but yeah. I think they're going to be patient. I think front office is going to be patient and build their, uh, you know, um, take their time and do things the right way. Yeah. And as the one Trill bro dude, I believe mentioned in our last pod, you know, what, how competitive is a Knicks offer going to be, you know, right. You know, we know, we don't know. We obviously speculate a bunch about who might be available. Let, let, whether it's, you know, could it be Cat soon? Could it be, will it ever be Bradley Beal? Will it, could it be Zach Levine? You know, I think maybe now, probably not. But there's always dudes we don't expect to that wind up getting traded. Not like Vucevic is like the biggest name ever. But like, that shit could happen. Is, you know, is what the Knicks have to offer. Is what the six Sixers have to offer if they get involved. Yeah. If it doesn't yeah. include Simmons. Um, you know, what, what they have enough. You don't, you don't know. Again, when I look around the landscape, I, I agree with you about Zach. I agree with you. You know, Devin Booker, I think in a few years, but no time soon. I don't know why, Why you know, Cat, I feel like is kind of wasting his time out there. That team should be better than they are with all the talent that they have. But they got to get healthy, and their, their front office is just a mess. If I'm this guy, like, you know, I, I love the battles with Embiid. Like, if I'm this guy, I'm asking out. Like, I don't know why I'm wasting my career in Minnesota when you can go somewhere else. And I do think the Knicks have a high chance. So it's not just... See, to me, like orchestrating these trades is not just about, you know, making the best offer that blows away the other offers. Because if that were the case, there's a lot of teams. It's the it, the player also has input because those GMs and presidents know if you trade your superstar, you treat him poorly or you trade him to a lousy team. The next superstar you try to recruit is going to say, well, look at how you treated the last guy. Whereas if the last guy said, I wanted to go to Brooklyn and you traded me to Brooklyn and Brooklyn made a pretty competitive offer. You know, like there are little little hedges there that little inches there that, you know, maybe you don't have to have the best offer, but a competitive offer, you know, and then make players happy because there is collateral and in, in, in word of mouth that these players do talk to each other, you know? Yeah, I mean, they're definitely little uh, microcosms, for, la- for lack of a better word, that do matter. I think, yeah, you know, we and we we cover this uh, a good amount, but like. You know, unless he's asking for the for the Knicks specifically, you know, well, a lot of these guys, and it's it's certainly plausible. You're certainly it seemed to be gaining some credit credibility despite your owner with your front office, but uh, you know, so it's it's not inconceivable that someone asked to go to the Knicks, but um, you know, unless that happens, there's obviously going to be a lot of competition to get some great players. Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right. Why don't we uh, Why don't we take a break here? Let's bring. Let's introduce our, our next sponsor uh, for today. Ezra, you want to kick it off? Let's do it. Between two buckets is now brought to you by Twitter Fingers, the candy of choice of the Brooklyn Nets. Kevin Durant. What a Kevin Durant. We had him on earlier. The tarantula. He's got a lot of fingers. You know. Um, Twitter Fingers, chocolate on the outside, self loathing on the inside. Ooh, so true. And Twitter Fingers. Always a better option than trigger fingers. Hashtag stop the gun violence. 
Yeah, oh yeah. Hashtag stop the gun violence. You know, it's funny. I was talking to a, I was talking to a friend about uh, the leader on the nets quick sidebar. And we both unanimously agreed. The alpha is James Harden. And I'll tell you something. We were talking about Kyrie and my buddy said, Oh, with Kyrie, his chakras have got to be all the way aligned for him to like ball out and be that stud. Right. And I laughed just like you're laughing. And then I said, you know, same, same, same deal with Durant. His chakras need to be aligned. And when you look at what happened, how he got a little bit twisted up in Golden State because it wasn't his team and it wasn't his culture, he got injured. And then he comes to Brooklyn and Kyrie and James and he got injured. Like, I'm not saying the dude's not a mega world superstar greatest of all time. I'm just saying some guys just are tweaked a little. Some are high performance vehicles who need perfect you know, gearsmanship to, to, to be at their highest level. I think KD and Kyrie are both cut from the same cloth. I think James Harden comes in and says, give me 39 minutes. Give me the rock in my hand with the game on the line. Let me play. I don't want to stop. I want to practice all the time. James Harden is the stud on that team, and his supporting cast is not that bad. <laughs> well, I guess I just hope that the chakras are out of alignment come Sixers-Nets Sixers matchup. May it hopefully happen, knock on wood. I think, that's, I think that's where we're heading. All right, man. Well, I think do you think, that was a question. Before, before, I love it. Oh, yeah. Do you, do you think the Lakers or Clippers can beat either the Nets? Who's coming out, the East or the West? Well, you're going to say the Sixers. That's fine. I, that was a good question. I'm not a homer. You already know that. I'm not a homer like that. I, you know, I'm still – I think the Sixers could win, but I think the Nets are definitely the favorites. Um, especially, you know, until we see, unless the Sixers make, even if the Sixers made a huge surge and are just like crushing it, I'll be super confident, but I wouldn't be like, yeah, no, they're going to the finals. Um, just because, but again, to your point, if the chakras aren't aligned in Brooklyn, like who knows? <laughs> right, right. Well, they got to be healthy. I think if they're healthy, and everyone's sharing the rock, and they got five all-stars all playing unselfishly. That's going to be tough to beat, but you still got to play the games. And like Brooklyn's lost a few games, so and you know we'll they see. get healthy. I know Durant's supposedly going to come back, but like we just haven't seen him play a lot. And I would bet on because the playoffs just become like one-on-one in a lot of ways, and just pick the pick the guy you want to pick on defensively, and then just attack him. You know, they're set up in a lot of ways to have a smoother transition than, you know, teams, let's say, like, uh, if Utah, just the way they play, where there it's a lot of ball movement and, um, you know, trying to get uh, a lot of these guys who aren't, like, amazing all-stars but really play their roles well. If they had to, like, get their shit together like that in time, I'd be like, okay, maybe not, but... I don't know. I got th- this kind of offensive, like one-on-one firepower. It's you know th- these guys That's know that doesn't work. Yeah, that, I, I really like that you said that because because um, right after the big three in Brooklyn was assembled, I think it was it was either Jalen Rose or Paul Pierce. I actually think it was Paul Pierce who said it, and I largely disagree with every word that comes out of his mouth. But what Paul Pierce said was, "This is the year we get to find out." You know how like Golden State like had their own thing. And now every other team was like trying to emulate them, but like they won a championship playing their brand of ball, right? And most champions kind of have their own brand of ball. This Nets team is going to show the league whether you can win playing one-on-one ball. Again, through three different guys, but can you win? Just it's not a team game. It's not you know. It's like these three guys are specialists in one-on-one ball. And and I thought, wow, that's a, that was a good that was a good uh, good point there. 
you'll get a lot of that, I think, again, just because of the nature of how playoff, bas- playoff basketball, how it sort of grinds that in a lot of ways and the defense gets a lot better. But, you know, I, I'm I'm not going to say that, like, that's definitely what their team is. I feel like, well, I think they all have shown that they can be, like, malleable. I think it was hard and people were like, oh, well, Kenny, blah, blah. I never doubted whether Harden could change his game. He's changed his game a million times in his career from when he was with the Thunder to when what it was first like with the Rockets to when they really were just like, yo, you're so good offensively. Like you just are the offense. So, you know, I think now will they have time to really, really like gel together in like a more ball movement type of thing? Maybe not. And maybe that would help the Sixers, but um it is still, you know, you're you're going to need guys just to ask them to get a bucket, and and they well, guys yeah. can do it. I mean, if you look at if you look at Brooklyn from a passing perspective, like Kyrie's averaged what 10, 11 assists a game for seasons. You know, Harden wasn't asked to do that. I think his career average is like six and a half. He's over eleven right now. He's almost doubled his his assists. I think he so, flip flopped. <laughs> Harden average been up in the assist leaders. It's Kyrie. I'm talking career. I'm talking career. Six and a half this year, 11, 11 point. No, I know, but in years past, I'm pretty sure he was like top five in assists as well. Okay. Kyrie, though, I has I mean, part of it, uh, well, I was going to say part of it's playing with LeBron, but also when he was with the Celtics, I don't, I don't recall him being a huge assist guy either, but. Yeah, yeah, actually, I just pulled it up. So, yeah, uh, one, two, three, six assists, six, seven, seven and a half, 11 in 2016. That was his first year averaging 11 assists. Then fell to eight and a half, seven and a half, seven and a half, and the last three years double digits, eleven, ten, eleven. So I mean, basically, eight, and that sounds like when D'Antoni made him a point guard. That's when his assist because yeah. he was yeah. just a shooting guard before. But yeah, and for, before his career, six point five. Yeah, but again, part of his career was you know he wasn't asked to to facilitate much like that. But yeah. but yeah, we'll we'll we will see, and we will certainly discuss it more, especially as. If Durant stays healthy, uh, maybe the chakras don't align. But, um, you know, we'll be able to see what the Sixers and Nets and Bucks also, um, yeah. what these teams look like down the home stretch and see, you know, if they start putting shit together. For sure. Hey, man, great talking to you today. This was a lot of fun. Um, guys, if you're still listening, if you're still tuning in, guys and gals, um, you know, drop us a comment. Follow us on Twitter. We're at Between Two Buckets on Twitter. Um, oftentimes, Ezra and I will. You know, live tweet during games. We'll share our thoughts. We'll share some stats. We do some funny stuff once in a while. Um, so comment uh, at us there. Also, you can follow us on a number of different platforms, some of whom let you leave voice messages. So if you want to leave a question, a comment, something like that, you know, we've been known to, to post those on our shows as well. So uh, oh, yeah. definitely look us up and uh, we'd love to hear from you. Dope. All right. Thanks, Bucket Nation. <laughs> Thanks, Ezra. <laughs>